and welcome to the First and Ten Chargers podcast back after a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks away. And the NFL has been a busy, busy place with uh, <laughs> trades going down. Obviously, just had a, co- a trade actually announced just before we got on uh, with Sam Darnold going to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, but also, yeah, obviously big trade up at the top of the draft order. And obviously going to be talking about a couple of things. We're wrapping up free agency for the Chargers, as it seems like we're not really going to be doing too much else. Um, although I'm pretty sure we'll get into that and maybe have a little look at what business we might want to do. And obviously going to come into the draft and see who's going to be there for the Chargers. But Ash, how's it from being? You've obviously you know, been away for a couple of weeks and like I say, NFL's been really busy. What do you think of this Sam Darnold trade? Um, I, I just, just before we came on, admit, I thought Sam Darnold would get traded. I thought it might come closer to draft day or on draft day. Um, but I had a hunch that it would be New England that would take him just as a sort of let him sit, wait for Cam to get injured and then bring him in and next part of the season. I thought mm. New England would be a prime position for Darnold to go. I think that it's going to be good. I think that Matt Rule knows what he's doing there. I think that the offense is going to be bouncing. He's never had top quality um, wide receivers ever at the Jets. And he's had obviously Gase, which has been horrific. For him. <laughs> yeah, so, coach, um, having someone that can actually call plays um, and a head coach like Rule and have weapons like Moore, Anderson. I think that it's going to be, it's going to be good for him. I think that he needs a fresh start and I think he can still do it. I think that he's not a bad quarterback. I think that he's just because he was set, was he second or third overall pick? Third, I think yeah. that it's just because of that sort of high price tag, shall we say, on his, on his shoulders. I think it's just, but he's still really young. So let's not get away from the fact that he's still really young. And I, I still think he can put a really quality career as a solid NFL starter ahead of him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's it's good for everyone. I think I think it's a great deal for everyone. I mean, obviously the Jets now, we know they're going to be nailed on for two. We'll come on to that a little bit later. We probably just know probably it's going to be Zach Wilson as well by the sounds coming out of New York. And, you know, Donald, what's he going to do? I mean, he's, like I say, he's not had the greatest of circumstances, but it's probably best best for him to just get out there. What's he going to do? You know, he's he's still young. You know, he's really, really young player when he came into the league. So he, he's not too old now, you know, I think he's only a slightly older than Joe Burrow, isn't he, or something like that, they're pretty comparable in age, and you know, to get a fresh start, Matt Rules looks like he's, you know, putting together a pretty good team there, pretty good um, year last year, considering that the, where, where they came from and all the turnover that they had, so yeah, I think it's good for Sam Darnold, I think it's good for Carolina, I think it's good for the Jets as well, because they get, get the unhappy player off their books, and also get a, get a couple of picks as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely agree. And then obviously we had the the big trade, well, a couple of Fridays ago, didn't we? we had a couple of big trades. Obviously had the Miami moving all over the shop, going from uh, 3 to 12 to 6 again, and Philadelphia moving back um, from 6 to 12, and obviously San Francisco going up, making the big move, and a lot of noise about Mac Jones now and things like that. Don't know what you're thinking about that, or whether you're buying that at all. I think we had a bit of a chat about it. I don't think either of us are really sold on Mac Jones, are they? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not convinced that everyone's definitely. It seems like everyone's convinced that it's going to be him, but still not quite convinced. Just with what what sort of Shanahan's had, um, the why he's lost two Super Bowls the way he has. Like, I, I can't see him making the same mistake. Obviously, Garoppolo's not really that mobile. Matt Ryan's not really that mobile. So why are you going after a player that's very similar in mould that's not that mobile? Um, I'm not believing all these pro day numbers at the moment. Everyone's sort of been running sub four fours. <laughs> so how how Mac Jones run four six eight is beyond me. But we'll just leave that there. But um, I, I, I think they'd be wise to go either Trey Lance or Justin Fields. I think 
everyone's kind of writing off Justin Fields at the moment. I just think he's a bit more of a solid pro than everyone's giving him credit for. I think that he can do the job much better there um, than Matt Jones would. But we shall see, shall we say. Yeah, we will see. We'll definitely see a couple of weeks to go until the draft. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty dumbfounded by this Matt Jones sort of chatter, really. I think Justin Fields is the nailed on pick. It's the pick that makes sense for their system, as you mentioned, obviously with Kyle Shanahan and things like that. But he's also the best quarterback. Well, I think he's the second best quarterback, never mind the third. So, you know, obviously the Jets are infatuated with uh, Zach, uh, Zach uh, yeah, I was going to say Zach Mills for some reason, Zach Wilson. Yeah. And, um, you know, he seems to be locked, locked, on, locked on, locked on, sorry, for the second overall pick. And then Justin Fields should be there for the 49ers to take. But yeah, like you say, I mean, weird comments from Kyle Shanahan as well, saying like he doesn't have to hide anymore when he's at the Alabama Pro Day and things like that. I don't know. It's weird. Really, really weird. Unless he's going to take Devonta Smith third overall. Yeah, it's just shock, <laughs> shock the world. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we'll see, like you say, we'll see. I mean, we've got, like, say, three or four weeks to go until the draft. And, uh, yeah, can't wait for it, as always. We're going to rewind, though, so we get going. And we're going to rewind back to free agency. Last time we came on, um, the Chargers had just, well, lost Hunt Henry. And we'd signed a couple of players as well. But Odia Boucher, um, Jared Cook, Ryan Smith, and also Kyla Frackle will all come in. So we'll kind of give you our thoughts on that. And like I said, we're going to move through to the draft. But start on the offensive line with Abushi. Um, hearing a lot of good things. Like I feel like that this interior offensive line now is looking pretty solid. Yeah, we've had some good sort of some high key people speak out about Abushi saying that he's this isn't a depth signing. This is a pretty could be a starting right right guard signing. So um, I've watched a little bit of tape on him that a few people have put up. I mean, the price tag is amazing, 1.6. So they won't go against any of the compensatory picks next year because obviously it's under the threshold. So you're talking about someone there that if you're getting a start and right guard um, that can offer what he can. It looks athletic, looks very much like the prototypical guys that we go after. Um, I know, obviously, I, I knew a little bit about him that he played for the Lions, but I didn't know, I didn't think it would be someone that maybe we target, it would be more of maybe we go, if we're looking at depth, we'd go back over old ground and bring someone back like Feeney or Lamp or someone. Then yeah, sure. That had a pretty much a complete clear out. So four or five of our starters, four starters definitely from the season before have all gone. Hmm. Um, so yeah, you're talking about a big clear out now, but I mean, back to Abushi, yeah, he looks everything that you'd want him to be. He looks strong, looks good in the run game. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can produce, and especially now with the overhaul of, across that three interior positions with him at right, Lindsay at centre, and Filer at left. You're talking now with just your... You obviously, hopefully, Balaga can stay fit, and then you're talking about that key left tackle position that we, we're obviously still hoping for. So it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll see how it goes. And it, it's nice to see that they've added um, more quality depth players and really had a complete refresh of the line because for a long time now it's not worked with some of these guys so it's better to get out the door and get some new some new blood in the in the franchise yeah absolutely i mean i actually tweeted uh, daniel popper when abushi first signed i think i was one of the first people to react to the tweet so he tweeted me back and i said is this a depth sign or is this a you know a potential starter because I'm not going to lie to everyone. I had not really heard of this guy. Um, he's obviously playing for the Lions. He's not in our conference. We don't ever play the Lions really too often. And obviously it's a guard. So it's not like a glamorous position you kind of hear too much about when you're not watching them play each week. And Popper actually said he was like a depth signing. He, he said he'd probably want to hope for, you know, a better, a better signing. 
but mm-hmm. everyone who I've heard talk about apart from him, and I guess he hadn't dove into him because I'm, I'm going to imagine he's pretty much in the same position as we are at that point when he first signed, said that he's a really good player and he's playing his best football and things like that. So, like you, I'm hoping that he's going to be a starter at a bargain basement price. Mm. Hopefully, once the you know the cap rises again in a year or two, and we want to re-sign him if he's if it's all gone well, then we'll be able to pay him appropriately. And you know, you're looking at three players there at good age. You know, they're not young, but they're not getting over the hill, things like that. You know, Lindsay's 30, but that's never old because I'm 31, so I'm still old myself. And <laughs> um, so, you know, you've got three guys there who are in like the prime of their careers. Brian Belaga, obviously, elder statesman, probably going to look to refresh him after a year or two. And then you're obviously hoping, like you say, to get a left tackle this draft and you know, potentially then draft your right tackle in the next uh, draft after this one. So, you know, we're going to look pretty solid on the line. And then Herbert obviously behind it, doing his thing. So, yeah, hopefully looking onwards and upwards with the line um, moving forward. Yeah, definitely with that. Yeah, we definitely need to... I still think that we could still address O-line as well, that leap uh, deeper in the draft. Like, But before, obviously, we were saying maybe we could double up because we, we're in desperate need of, of O-line. But now, kind of, it's this nice because... Telesco always does it every mm. draft. He mm-hmm. never hangs himself out to dry and say, we have to take this player here. We have to take this player here. He, there's always some versatility that before we were a little bit worried that we, we had to have to double up, especially at O-line. But I think now that it's not, everyone still wants it. It's probably say 95% of Chargers fans still want that tackle at 13, but there's always that potential that they can take him at 47, I think, is it? So. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not like, I think I'd say like before the signings, like all three of them probably, it's like pretty much hundred percent people want a right uh, left tackle at thirteen, and a good majority probably want us to double down, mm. you know. And I was definitely one of those people. I think we both were. And mm. now it's like you know, like you say, ninety five percent still on left tackle at thirteen, but you know, it's not like an absolute must have kind of thing. You have to do it. You know, there's going to be plenty of good tackles there. 47 will still be available. I'd still rather take one early and get one of the good ones. Not that there aren't you know, good ones going to be available at 47, but you're kind of leaving yourself open to that, which is kind of, as you mentioned, kind of against Telesco's philosophy when everyone has known, for, well, more than just this year, that, you know, the Chargers need less tackle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's neglected the position for a good number of years without yeah. proper investment. So hopefully it doesn't kind of carry on that trajectory and you know we'll get one at, at 13 but like you say it opens up di- different positions now at 47 whereas you know I was saying like you know we need an interior guy at 47 you know a few months ago when we were kind of doing our draft stuff and things like that and before pre-agency yeah moving on then to well just a long line really got Jared Cook obviously he's going to come in be the star at tight end um is it was it one year deal I can't remember now am I right in saying that yeah, one year deal yeah one year deal so very much a stopgap how do you feel about this one um, I'm not blown away with it. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> that's exactly it, isn't it? Not blown away. It's yeah, fine. It's like you can. It's the familiarity, isn't it? I mean, you're talking about a guy that's that's worked with um, Lombardi, so it's it's kind of the familiarity of where it all fits into place. Where we wanted, there was obviously signs that they wanted Henry back. They wanted mm-hmm. Henry back. It For didn't sure. materialize. So they've just looked at plan B and the best plan B they could come up with was Jared Cook on a one-year deal. I mean, 4.5 is not horrendous money. So it's not like you're spanking like some, like the Giants have just given Rudolph, didn't he? Like they, they were about six, but over yeah. two years. So they're paying him 12 million. This is a one-year deal coming as a stopgap. You've still got Parham. They've re-signed Anderson. So there's still not a necessity to look at tight end in the draft, but there's still potential there to, if the value's there, take one. So 
it's one of them ones where, of course, we would have all preferred Hunter back. I'd have preferred Hunter back, but it's a business. Um, and Hunter's gone on to go to New England where he was touted to go anyway. So Cook is going to be the red zone guy. He's not going to offer much in blocking. He's not going to be too much of a sort of athletic freak through, through the middle. But at the red zone, he's one of the best weapons in the league. So if you just look at his stats as red zone guys, I mean, they, he had one red, uh, one touchdown last year that wasn't from the red zone, and that was against us. So obviously, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, but he is—he's very, very good in that red zone, and it's kind of what we need when we get down there. We need reliable weapons that can get open, and he's one of them. So that's where you win all your games, red zone. So I can see why they've done it, and they can see why they brought him through. Um, offers a lot of experience as well but it's one of them ones where everyone hopes for the flashy names and, and the re-signing of the good players and stuff and it's nothing against Cook he's just he's, he's a proper vet and it's one of them ones where you just go yeah yeah okay yeah definitely I mean I remember when when the signing came through I was in the queue at being q with my missus and it's just like okay that's fine and then I put my phone away. I didn't like look into it anymore. You know, you're really excited about a sign. You kind of look yeah. up a little bit of stats and a little bit of this and that. I just kind of like, okay, that's fine. Kind of know what it is, know who he is. Um, and, you know, you know that you've got your starter now for the next year or so. Gives us a chance to further evaluate Parham, gives us a chance to further evaluate Anderson. And like you say, you're setting yourself up maybe to draft one high next year, but maybe still grab one in day three of this. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's huge potential to look at look at tight end and explore tight end in this draft throughout the whole process like obviously not day one unless unless it's ridiculous and pits falls but that's never gonna happen (laughs) but definitely day two and day three there's potential to pick up good solid tight ends because it's not a bad class it's not a bad class at all so it's just going to be how how it falls and who's available when like i mean i like brevin jordan i think he's really good like we've looked at Hunt along Boston College. So there's there is players there that you can take in different rounds. It's just where you can get the value. And I think Telesco will look at that. Um, so looking forward to the, the day two and day three of the draft to see if they do do look at tight end. Yeah, definitely. And you know, none of these signings that we're that we're talking about, with the four that we're gonna that none of us, none of them are setting us back a lot of money. So you yeah. know, there's still money in the pot, which we'll get into in a moment. But you know, you can't even be even if you're not like blown away by the player, you know, so much. But you can't be like, oh my god, we've overpaid for him so much. It's like literally bargain basement prices that Telesco's getting these people in. You know, we can cycle them through. Like I said with Abushi, like if they're successful, then great, we'll pay them, we'll keep them. If not, then <clears throat> what what we're we losing? Not a heck of a lot. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty fis- fiscally sensible. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Switching over then to defence, a couple of other guys that have been signed up by the Chargers. Kyler Fackrell coming in, edge, play, edge player from the Giants. Um, again, he's had a pretty decent season a couple of years ago for the Packers where he got 10 and a half sacks as a role player. I think this is a good guy, again, who you can get in. He'll give you effort, he'll give you special teams. He's probably going to get to the quarterback a few times. You know, he's not going to be the starter. He's not going to be an ego, things like that. So then again, doesn't back him into a corner that you need to take an edge, you know, within those first four picks and the first three. Uh, rounds of the draft and you know brings in that veteran leadership and kind of knows what he's doing so yeah I think we'll see him kind of rotate with Chen and Owosu it'll mm-hmm. take the pressure off Owosu as well because you know everyone's kind of yeah great wanting to start but you know if he completely flopped then who would we have behind him a rookie then then again you're kind of thinking oh my god can he kind of come in and can he kind of spell him well with Fakrul you know that he knows what he's doing so it's going to you know again raise the level so I'm, I'm pretty pretty impressed with that signing how about you? 
Yeah, definitely. At 1.5 million, I think it's a bit of a steal, really. De- depth piece, like you said, coming in um, with Nwusu and rotate. Um, and, I mean, he, he I think he got like four or six sacks for the Giants last year. I mean, that would have been like second or something yeah. on our yeah. team last year on mm-hmm. D. So, like, you're talking about someone that can come in and, and offer instant pressure. And it's kind of what we need. Like, at the moment, obviously, you, you've got Bosa and he's out on an island and there's no one there that's really giving him a hand at, at pressuring. So, there's there's talk that we've been looking at that in the draft and obviously with Nawusu and now with Fackrell, you, you've got options there. So, obviously, we still need to address the position, but it's nice that you've got people that can offer something and not it's not just the Joey Bosa show and we've got nothing else because that can get a bit isolated and then all of a sudden you're talking about you're, you've got nothing there other than Bosa. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, touch wood, touch all the wood in the world. <laughs> like if he goes down with an injury, you know, then you're left with no one, aren't you, pretty much? So, exactly. you know, and, you know, we've talked about it in the past about the scheme and stuff like that. Hopefully that's going to be kinder to all these guys on the edge and we're going to create more pressure. You know, we backed Joe Taylor, people like that for breakout years. So hopefully that can come through and, uh, yeah, we can get some more pressure on the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Last up then, uh, Ryan Smith, uh, special, I'll say, I'll say, say special team, not really corner. didn't really play a great deal of corner, was he? Coming from the books for, again, very, very little money. Again, just kind of looking at special teams value. Seems like he's going to be an excellent gunner. I mean, the amount of times that we were talking about special teams over the past season, I hope that we don't have to do that again. And this signing kind of goes some way towards that. Yeah, I mean, I think that before we had, did we have Jeremy Davis that was doing an okay job at gunner before? And then he kind of got injured last year and it wasn't really materialised or he didn't even get, didn't even make the roster. I can't Mm. even, I think... Um, but obviously bringing in Ryan Smith, someone that's played played that position a lot and played well at that position. So anything, I mean, at this at this rate, anything is an upgrade on that special teams unit. It is horrendous. So hopefully that they're they're going to find pieces later in in this draft and obviously some depth guys later on with some of the capital still remaining that we can find players to really upgrade that position because special teams at the moment is is a little is still a little concern. Obviously we've got a new coach in which is going to help massively. But there's still a few pieces there that I'm hoping that we can address for special teams. Yeah, there is. I mean, I think there's players there. You know, we definitely had an upgrade. A couple of them, obviously, we just mentioned. You know, you're going to get Tranquil back. He was a great special teamer. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, Gilman will, will come through a little bit more. So, you know, there's guys there. And like you say, hopefully, the change of coaching staff will be there. And, you know, we're going to get got a lot of picks this year as well. So, you know, these day three guys are going to hopefully come through us for the, for the special teams unit again next year but um yeah like i say hopefully we won't have to talk about the special team unit too much next year as it was a regular topic on the pod last last season yeah moving in just um into the, the latter of stages of free agency it's kind of obviously gone quiet now as it usually does around this time of year everyone kind of focusing on their draft preparations anyone out there that you would like to charge us to have a go at or is there anyone that's maybe gone that you wish that we'd had a go at and maybe got in the door for the money that they went for or anything like that um, we saw Carl Fuller get released by the Bears, didn't we? And that was that could have been a potentially good landing spot with how how coaches have worked with Fuller. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's still got it. He's not that old, thirty or twenty nine, I think I believe. So, and the money wasn't it wasn't overly expensive, really. If you see what um, Adoree Jackson got from the Giants, I mean, the Giants are just spanking money all yeah. over the place. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you see the money that they paid Adoree Jackson, and you see the money that Fuller got, if I'm honest definitely taking the fuller deal 100 times over 100 so 
that one kind of it would have been nice, but it kind of looked like the Fangio thing was just too much of a pull. We'd worked with him for five years before, and it was just like he's he, I'm leaving the Bears, I'm going to the Broncos. There's no debate. I'm just getting on straight on a plane to Denver. So mm. that was one where it was just it was kind of uh, I wish that could have happened. Obviously, we're still there at corner. That I'm hoping that we can still address it, but probably a player that's still out there in regards to edge rush that we also talked about earlier with Bosa. I mean, Clowney is still out there, I think. So I don't know what's going on with that. I would have thought, I thought he would have been signed by now, but I mean, Brown's brought him in and a couple of other teams have had a sniff round him, but I'd still, I mean, we still got 20 million in, in cap. You could maybe get him in on a sort of seven, eight year, um, $8 million deal now. So I think I'd take that. I think I'd take that all day long, especially with this edge class. That's not, no one's really blowing me away. You can kind of take him as that Brockers role, um, off of loads in the run game and potential or just okay as, as a pass rusher. But I think that him still being out there, there's still, for me, it, it, I'm questioning why he's still out there. That's always um, a big question. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. His talent still yeah. designed. Um, but I think at that money, if you can get him through the door still at seven or eight million for the year, I'd still I'd still do that. And then he can just bank on himself again and see if he can get paid for the next contract. Yeah, it's a definitely it's a player that I was going to bring up actually to this question. Um like I say, the question is why that he's not still there. And I think a couple I've spoken to a couple of other Chargers fans, and um I think the word that one person used was not a cultural fit, which I can kind of see, you know, the Chargers trying to rebuild got a new coach in, things like that. Jadavian Klein has become a bit of a mercenary to describe him, you know, kindly, I would say. He's not really doing it in Tennessee when he was there last year. You know, is he the sort of player that you want? I mean, the, the ceiling would be there. He'd definitely fit in, you know, in the system and things like that. So, yeah, definitely a player that, you know, if I was on Madden or something like that, I'd definitely be signing. But, you know, real life, maybe not, not, not so much. But, yeah, definitely an interesting player that's still out there for sure. What about other positions? Any other positions that you feel like we're a bit light in or anything like that? Um, we still definitely need to address, um, obviously, oh, we've, we also got a um, backup quarterback, didn't we, Chase Daniel? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Although, hopefully, um, so never obviously get, getting him in through the door, obviously, he's going to help, help um, Justin Herbert just with some experience there. But we've addressed that position. I still think we're light a wide receiver. I do like the guys we've got. It's not that I'm taking anything away from them. I just think that, that not that we can do anything in free agency, but in the draft, definitely wide receiver is definitely a position that I would look at just because the depth's so good. Yeah. Um, but free agency wise, if, if I'm honest, I'd be looking maybe just to help out on D. So obviously we talked about Clowney, not really sure there's too much out there really uh, with D line. I mean, um, Jarrell Casey got released Broncos connection. there, still around. Obviously he's 32, but could offer something. Um, other than that, maybe not at D-line. I don't really know there's too much really going on at safety. Most of the guys have been picked up. I mean, Kenny Vaccaro's out there, could maybe offer something. Malik Hooker's still out there, another guy that you could take a chance on. Because safety-wise, I did think everyone thought that Johnson was going to be there, that he was going to be the guy that the Chargers were going to prioritise. Yeah. It didn't materialise. So, and obviously, we didn't re-sign Jenkins. So there is still a kind of like a big question mark at that one of them deep safety positions. So they could still obviously address that in free agency with someone like um, Malik Hooker or Kenny Vaccaro. 
Yeah, I think Hooker is a nice player. I actually, I've probably mentioned this in the past, but I actually wanted him when we drafted Mike Williams. I thought I thought he'd be a great pick at seven. Obviously, if I wouldn't have gone to James, if that was the case, because that was the next year. But uh, yeah, it's funny how these things come around, isn't it? And I think he's definitely a player that I'd be looking at. I think, again, at day three, late day two safety, if there's someone high up there, um, you know, my rankings at least, I'd be having a look at. Because, you know, as much as we think Nasir Adley's got potential, relying on him, I don't know. Is, is that a problem, potentially? You know, we're hoping that Derwin's going to be able to stay fit. If he doesn't, again, you need some sort of contingency plan. So, yeah, safety is definitely a place that we look light. And yeah, like you say, uh, wide receiver in the draft, maybe another edge player in the draft, things like that. But I think, you know, we've got nine picks, we can address all these holes. Yeah. And um, I think <clears throat> the way that we're kind of going to be moving towards it in a moment, you know, the, the holes that are there, they kind of suit us in this draft because the, the players are the position, sorry, that we need quite badly are the ones that are quite fruitful and quite talentful in the draft. Yeah. Whereas the ones that are kind of a bit further down on our list, they are, again, not as talentful in the draft. So kind of suits us, I feel like, with this one and kind of lays out things fairly easily in a roadmap. You know, the first two days is going to be these positions and then after that you can address the secondary positions. I think that's quite clear. Just yeah. depends on what order they kind of get it done in. Yeah, definitely. We always, I think Daniel Jeremiah said it before as well, that you kind of look at it as pairs. So, I mean, the crying positions for us at the moment personally is left tackle on corner so yeah. which way around you want to go if you want to go at 13 or you want to go late at 40 them two really are the priorities there and then later on down the line you can look at d line you can look at safety where the depth sort of what sort of there's no real top end talent but the state there's still depth there in day two and you can get them in round three and then obviously it eats into the wide receivers where i mean you can still get really really good starters up in probably until the fifth round so I personally think that that's where how the Chargers can use that as a roadmap. If they want to diverse and go off and, oh, there's a player that's fallen there, we've got to take him, he's too good a talent, then they can do that. But there's, there is kind of, like, like you said, a lot of movement and where the pieces are, where the depth is, you can get them later in the draft. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Let's, um, let's turn our attentions towards the draft then um, and how we're going to kind of make the Chargers better. We're going to work through uh, the, the 12 picks before us and we're going to kind of pretty much take people off the board, aren't we, and say that pretty much nailed on that we know, for example, Trevor Lawrence is going to be at the Jags. As I mentioned before, Zach Wilson's going to be at the Jets. After that, it gets a bit more muddy, but let's kind of work through, see who's going to be there for the Chargers and then kind of who we take. Should I, I'll just go ahead and I'll just take those two guys off the board straight away. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's no sort of messing about it. So, you know, there's no two ways about it that these two are going to be there. Uh, so we've got... Trevor Lawrence to the Jags and also uh, Zach Wilson to the, the 49 no, not the 49ers, sorry, the Jets. So that leaves yeah. us with the 49ers. We were mentioned before, obviously, Matt Jones. We don't believe that's the pick. We're not buying what we're, what we're being sold at no. times. I'm, <laughs> I'm, this not, I'm not buying it, really. Look, I, like, just... Shanahan's just... Look, he, he's seen it happen to him twice where Matt Ryan got sacked an outfield goal range right at the end of the game. Then the Patriots came back, won it in overtime. Ryan's a good player, but he's not mobile. Yeah. You lose that game because he's not mobile. And then you look at the how they lost to Mahomes. Mahomes is, he just makes things happen. He moves around. He, he's the polar opposite of Garoppolo. Like he's literally the polar opposite of a player. And like, you're telling me that you're going to go after someone like Mac Jones that is, just a better version of a little bit of a better version than Garoppolo. It's for me, it just, 
I'm just not really buying it. I'm just, I'm just not really buying it. So I think that they're going to go for more of an athletic guy. So I think that it's going to be someone personally, someone like Justin Fields or Trey Lance. So, I mean, there's options there, obviously at the moment, what I'm hearing is the, that there's more doubts around fields than I think that there should be. And Trey Lance is one of them ones that there's so much upside that you could see Shanahan taking the risk on him. So it's one of them ones where is he going to go? Maybe he kind of knows what he's got in fields, but he's not as optimistic about it. Or are you looking at someone like Trey Lance where you think, well, this, because they obviously they still got Garoppolo there. So it's not like they have to introduce him straight away, but man, if this guy can get going, Trey Lance has got all the intangibles to be able to be a really, really good quarterback in the league. So it's going to be interesting to see which way they go, but it's definitely going to be quarterback. It's just who they're going to go with. Yeah, I think you've hit it on the head. I think the, the the important factor is they've still got Garoppolo. So that kind of insulates Trey Lance if he's going to be the pick and means that they can sit him and, you know, that's what's going to be good for him no matter where he goes to, I think, anyway. And Garoppolo kind of gives them that, whether that kind of wastes another season of the window that the 49ers have, you know, I think like if they have Justin Fields, I think he probably could start straight away. I don't know if he did the prettiest things the first few weeks. Uh, but then again, you know, Justin Herbert wasn't the prettiest things the first few weeks until he kind of figured a few things out. Yeah. Whether Fields can do that you know, as quickly as Herbert did, for example, mm-hmm. it's questionable because obviously, you know, Herbert, super intelligent guy, not saying that Fields isn't, but, you know, there's not many people who are kind of on Justin Herbert's level in terms yeah. of, you know, on-field intelligence and just academic intelligence as well. So, yeah, 100% quarterback. I don't buy the Matt Jones thing. They could take Lance. I wouldn't be kind of shocked if that happened on draft night. But I would err towards Justin Fields, although I'm taking, you know, like we said before about Carl Shanahan saying things that kind of don't make sense in terms of this way of thinking. But I just don't see past it. I mean, if it's a system he's coached him before, you know, in in a, in a previous, uh, you know, when they were college and things like that. And I just don't think, don't think it makes sense that they choose Jones or, you know, Lance isn't, I, just, I mean, I've got Justin Fields' second quarterback overall, so I don't think it makes sense to pick Lance either, personally. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think we'll take fields with this one. I think it's just for me. I've I've done a couple. I've done a mock draft um, and an article will be coming out before it before the draft itself. And I've got fields that they're going to be taking. I just think it all, it just makes too much sense to to take him. It's like you want someone. He's got the athleticism that Lance has got, but you've got more of a safe the safety that Jones has got. So it's kind of best of both worlds. So yeah. I just think that it. it it just marries up very well to take Justin Fields there. And his what a lot of stuff that you hear about Fields, I think that he's getting sort of bad things for some of his decision making on the field. Like they're pulling him up on certain things where you just think, well, hang on a minute. Like he absolutely mullered Clemson last year. Like the performance he put in against them was unbelievable. So, mm-hmm. and if he hadn't gone back, say if he opted out, then would he we be even talking to him? He'd be going two to the Jets. It's only because he went back and people were like, oh, he didn't play as well this year. <laughs> Well, they still got to they still got to the national championship. So like it's not it's not just that doubt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and his leadership, like everything you hear from teammates, they love him. So as a locker room guy, I don't think you're gonna find many better. So personally, I, I think Fields is the way to go at three. Yeah, hundred percent. Now the draft starts, really, for me. I mean, this is four, isn't it? Where the Falcons are. We know now with the Panthers kind of having their quarterback unless the Broncos want to come up and get a quarterback there. This is a, this is a pick, isn't it? Where the Falcons are going to kind of change the draft really, you know, they could go pits, they could go soul, they could 
Uh, they could pick a quarterback of their own, although I don't think that's very likely. I don't know if we, we're going to kind of feel the same. Obviously, we, we kind of spoke about this a little bit before we came on when we were discussing the Darnold trade. Are you still sticking? Do you reckon Pitts will be the pick for the Falcons here? Yeah, I mean, I personally think it's going to be Kyle Pitts or it's going to be a quarterback. Like, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it similar to us last year where are we were talking about the same debaters. Are you ever going to be... With no team like us, we're not going to be hopefully to pick, be picking this high again. And the Falcons are going to look at it at the same point. Like they've got a pretty okay team, so are they are they going to be picking this, this high again to take a quarterback? If they're going to do that, they're going to have to try and look at oh, we've got to go, we've got to trade a load of picks to get up in that region again if we want to get Matt Matt Ryan's replacement. Mm. So there is potential there that they could take, and if they're going to take one, they might as well take the development guy with the hot biggest upside, which would be Trey Lance. So for me, it's the debate is Trey Lance or Kyle Pitts. The problem I have with taking Trey Lance is Cole Pitts is one of the is probably the best tight end prospects I've ever seen. And yeah, you're talking sure. about Arthur Smith, who was a former tight ends coach at Tennessee, is then an offensive coordinator, now the head coach here. The you it kind of marries up where you've got a former tight end coach taking the best tight end prospect we've ever seen. Imagine what this guy can do with him. Hmm. And he offers you something that's very similar to a wide receiver. Like if he was a wide receiver, he'd probably be it would be him and Waddle at three would be the third wide receiver. If he was a wide. Sure. Yeah. Good. Like his wingspan is bigger than Makai Beckton's who's six foot nine. Like this guy offers everything. So he's the, in, in, other than like him, Saul and uh, Lamar, Jamar Chase is probably the three best players in the draft with Lawrence. So you're talking them four players. So obviously Lawrence is gone. So you're talking about, are they going to take left tackle? Are they going to take wide receiver? Are they going to take tight end? I just think he's the best player there for the biggest need. Like nothing against Hayden Hurst, but he's like, well, that is, it's like chalk and cheese. Like he's why would you not good. take Kyle Pitts? Here? Like it's, it's just ridiculous. Like I just think it makes too much sense. Yeah. I mean, you make, you make a really good case. And obviously I, I don't disagree with anything that you said, to be honest with you. You know, it's hard to, it's really difficult to argue against Kyle Pitts. Even perfectly honest, like you say, Probably my well, he is my third overall player in the draft after uh, Lawrence and Noah. Noah, that's in a couple of years. Then I saw, um, but I just think with Saul, with Arthur Smith, and I'm going to go back to Arthur Smith, but I'm going to kind of maybe see it in a different way. Obviously, they'll want to run a lot because that's what Arthur Smith's offense was in Tennessee. You know, they don't have Derek Henry. You know, maybe they'll pick someone up similar to that second round, something like that. But they're going to want a, a beast in the defensive line. I don't think they've got that at the minute. So mm-hmm. I reckon plays get Saul, play him as a guard, which I know, and I'm not saying that because he's got short arms or anything like that. I don't really subscribe to that mode of thinking. But he went to Oregon as a guard and he got kicked out to tackle. I think you can do that sort of uh, transition with him again. Mm-hmm. They've got McGarry, who they got a couple of years ago from Washington. Um, he's not really been great. You could even kick him out to right tackle, kind of replace McGarry, maybe put McGarry inside. But I just think you just get the five best defensive linemen you've got out there. And you just run and run and run like Arthur Smith wants. You know, you get play action. You've still got Julio Jones. You've still got Calvin Ridley. You know, we've talked a minute ago about how many good wide receivers you can get in this draft class. You can supplement those two guys with someone in day two. And I just think you get, you know, the best non-quarterback in the draft, in my opinion, anyway. Mm. And, you know, Arthur Smith should, should love that. You know, you've got Hayden Hurst. Like I said, I don't think he's very good. He's going to be feasible in this offense. He's going to be a bit more of a, an all-round tight end to be an Arthur Smith type of offense. We're a bit split on this, obviously. You know, we've got our difference of opinion. 
both of these guys are going to be off the board before the Chargers get there. So I don't think it matters too much for our exercise in terms of finding out who is going to be there at the Chargers. One thing I will say with, with offensive line, obviously, is such a big need for... If you go through everyone's draft needs at the moment, offensive line is literally in the top three of nearly every team in the NFL. Like sure. you scroll through everybody's, everyone who's mocking anybody to anybody at the moment, it is literally, oh, there's an offensive line need. There's an offensive line need. So you can see that offensive line could be, a, um, and he'll want to, like you said, they're going to want to run the football. My only issue with that is they haven't got a running back to run the football. No, they're not. So you kind of running before you can walk sort of thing. So they haven't really got Derek Henry They'd have to get someone like Javonte Williams early in the second round to then say, oh, okay, we're going to be pounding the ball now. So I think that just with adding, I think just Pitts is just one of them guys that I think is just, he's just so unique. And I think that for me, that uniqueness there, there's always as well the possibility where you don't really have to replace Julio if Julio ever left. Yeah, you've kind of got someone that can offer similar skills Obviously, Julio's an amazing wide receiver. He's been one of the best for the last decade. But you've kind of got there that you don't have to look at a ready-made replacement at wide receiver because you've got someone that's just as good in a unique position. And Kyle Pitts as well, one thing you will do with, with tight end is if you ever want to put him on a f- on the uh, on the franchise tag, the franchise tag at tight end is a lot cheaper than a wide receiver or a tackle. Yeah, so. Yeah it gives you more flexibility cap-wise at a position that is so unique and a player that's so unique that no one else in the league's got him. He's going to want to be paid as a wide receiver, isn't he, when that comes around, that conversation comes around in a few, yeah, a few years. Look, let, let's uh, let's lock Kyle Pitts in uh, because, like we said, I don't think it matters too much in terms of finding out who the Chargers are going to take because yeah. these guys are going to be gone. But, yeah, no, I can completely agree. And like you say, you don't have that drop-off. You do insulate yourself from... Julio Jones is, you know, you can't last forever, can he? So you're probably going to get Julio Jones kind of retiring. Carl Pitts is going to be coming towards the end of his rookie contract. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're going to be able to kind of just go straight in. The other sort of aspect to this before we move on to the Bengals is Calvin Ridley's a really old, like, guy for being on his rookie contract. He's almost 28. And he's, you know, he's got one year left on his rookie deal. Yeah. So he's only really got one contract left. Big yeah. contract, I mean. So, yeah, interesting one for the, for the Falcons to figure out. And, yeah, like you say, we'll lock in Pitts there. This puts the Bengals in a bit of a quandary, doesn't it? Because obviously they probably would have really wanted uh, Kyle Pitts as well. I'm sure the Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. do as well. So, you know, but the Bengals do have some needs that are a bit more glaring. They've still got Soul. They've still got someone like Jamar Chase as well, linking up with Joe Burrow. Which way do you think they go if Pitts is off the board? I've I've got him in my um, mock taking Rashawn Slater. I just, not that I think he's better than Saul. I just have an inkling. I've got this really weird gut feeling that Slate is going to be the first tackle gone. It's one of them weird ones that it's going to be one of them ones that everyone thinks, mm, I'm not sure about that. But it was the same with Andrew Thomas last year. Andrew Thomas went and everyone was like, I think we'd have, I think everyone was Worths or Wills or Beckton before, but obviously Thomas was the one that went first. Oh, and I, think yeah. that, I think that what's happened is that our highest, highest state uh, tape that Rashawn Slate has put out has just absolutely elevated him onto one of them perches where it's hard to kick him off. Yeah. And what everyone's doing is trying to find a point and pick holes in Saul's game. And no one's done anything like that to Slater. And it kind of makes me feel like maybe Slater will be the pick. I think Bengals, I think Bengals are going to go offensive line. I just think that with the Burrow injury, just makes too much sense to not address that tackle. You can, they've got Riley Reef, which is, 
depth, if I'm honest. I think yeah. that you can look him as maybe a right tackle this year and then he's done. Um, but you're you're gonna need I think you've got they got Jonah Williams, but you could you could make him as the guard and then put this guy in at left tackle, whoever it be, or the Saul or Slater, and then say, right, we've got somewhat we've got a offensive line now that's half decent for Burrow. Obviously, the other player is Jamar Chase, who's one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen. Like, so there's that talk, and obviously that LSU Paul played with Joe Burrow. That is also the other possibility. So I think that the pick for the Bengals will be Slater, Saul, or Chase. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I I do think it'd be a bit high for Slater, but you know, you, obviously you've explained your point, and I kind of see where you're coming from a little bit. I do think the sensible thing would be to go offensive line rather than Chase. It's a shame, obviously, because Joe Burrow and Chase linking back up together in the NFL would have been a great story, and you know, could could still be. It's not something that would you know would be out of the realm of possibility. I know there's a lot of Bengals fans that kind of want that to happen as well. So. Um, but yeah, I, let's lock it in then. Let's lock in the defensive lineman. Let's go with your pick because then at least there's a chance that Slater, um, sorry, Saul could be there for the Chargers. But I don't <laughs> think that'll happen either. But let's lock in uh, Rashawn Slater there. So we're then on six with the Miami Dolphins. What do you think, just going back to the trade that we mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast when the Dolphins went back to 12 and then came up again, they must have someone in mind, right? Who they think that guy won't be there at 12 or out of the top 10, things like that. So we have to move up again. And then they found a partner in the Eagles. Yeah. Who's that yeah. guy? For me, it's Jamar Chase. I think that that's, they've, they've eyed wide receiver as the, as the position that they think that they can get. And that's, that's the prime position. Everyone's been, everyone's been mocking the first wide receiver near enough to, it used to be the Eagles at six. So sure. yeah, yeah. Now they're going up to six. You're talking about how are they going to? I've I've got them. I've got them doing the sensible thing and taking Penny Saul in my mind. But I think Jamar Chase is just too good a prospect to maybe pass up for them because obviously because you've got two. Uh, you've got an okay line there. You've got Jackson. You've got Robert Hunt. Guys, they've drafted recently as well, right? It's not like yeah, they've been there for ages. They're going a bit stale things like yeah, that. Yeah, so like they haven't really had time to maybe blend as an offensive line yet because there's still some young guys on that line. We've got, I think they drafted three last year, Kindley, Hunt and Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, that's so right. you're about three guys that they took last year that kind of is now going to be the new breed of that offensive line. So they've kind of already got pieces there. So it's not like that they need to take salt. I personally think that they should, but I can see the wide receiver being the pick. And I think that, if you don't take Jamar Chase as the, if you don't see Jamar Chase as the number one wide receiver, I think you need to go back and reevaluate your tape. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad, that's not a bad thing to say. To be honest, I mean, yeah, they've got Eric Flowers. You know, if you could play guard again, you know, you might want to play Saul just to begin with at, at guard. The thing is, I, I, I don't know if they underestimated the fact that Pitts might be off the board, but I actually think they moved up for Pitts. Because I think Pitts changes his offense. It could well be that. It could well be that. It could well be that. And that wouldn't surprise me at all. If Pitts is there at six, Pitts should be the pick. If I'm mm. honest, Pitts should be the pick at six if he's there at six. I I think that he won't get past Miami, put it that way, if that is the same. Sure. Is yeah. The yeah. I think that that Pitts' sweet spot is four, five, and six, and six is his, his floor and his ceiling is, is is the Falcons. So, yeah, I could see it being Pitts 100% if, he's, if it is that. For sure. I mean, I don't want to turn this into a Miami podcast, but if you look how how two was successful in Alabama, it's a spread offense, it's RPOs, it's you know a decent running game behind him, and a load of weapons that are open all the time. 
you've got Will Fuller there now, who's obviously the deep threat. You've got a massive target in Preston Williams, pretty big target in Devontae Parker. And then if they get pits as well, it's a lot of height, weight, speed kind of mismatches there. Yeah. And, you know, you've got he's pretty decent offensive line. Really, so as a as another tight end, he's he's a pretty yeah. mobile weapon if, if yeah. you make it over the middle. So yeah, I can see where definitely I can see that, like you said, Pitts would be would would be the pick if he's there at six. And like you said, it's one of them things where do you where we come back to where what Jandrew Jeremiah said is if you're looking at two positions, say if you're looking at wide receiver or you're looking at protection for tour and a weapon for tour which way round do you want to take it because you've got pick six and you've got pick 18 so which is going to offer you the best value do you take the the protection or do you take the weapon and it's going to be which one is going to be in play when it comes to 18 because they could still be in play for if they were talking about a weapon you could still take someone like harris which is obviously he's worked with tour as well at alabama yeah. and as a weapon They've got some wide receivers there. They've got a tight end, but they haven't got a running back. So maybe as a weapon, they could even you could you could argue that that might be a, just as important to take some of the workload off to his shoulders as a running back, a three down running back like Harris. But Jamar Chase at this point at six with Pitts gone is just too good a prospect to not take. Let's go for it. Let's go for Jamar Chase. I yeah, I think just again, I don't want to make it Dolphins podcast, but I think in the perfect. First, sort of three picks for the Dolphins would be Pitts, Harris, and then an offensive lineman. Yeah, it's kind of because you can get those interior guys. You might be able to get someone like Landon Nixon or something like that who can play a bit yeah. of left guard for you. Mm-hmm. And I think you know your lights out there because you've got the Alabama connection, who's probably going to be long term centre with Dickerson. You've yeah. got Tua, you've got Harris, you've got Pitts, and you've got these wide receivers as I just mentioned. I think Miami become a contender for many yeah. years to come if that's the case. They're kind of setting themselves up for that with all these picks that they've got. Uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, we'll kind of wait and see if that one. Let's stop talking about dolphins now. <laughs> so we'll move on then to Detroit. And is this? I mean, we've got Saul here, who's obviously on a bit of a slide. First of all, a couple of things: the Detroit Lions are nailed on for wide receiver. It seems. Yeah, one hundred percent. Does Saul change that? And secondly, is a bit of a question. The Chargers are now in touching distance. So if this happens on draft night, you're like begging Tom Tesco to use some of these picks and give Justin Herbert his old left tackle back. Yeah, I, I sent a message out to Alex from Gilly's Charge the other day saying, how would you get to seven? What would it cost? Um, and it looks like it's like a third and a fourth and a sixth at this point. I mean, I personally think that the Detroit Lions would take less just because they need so much. So you draw, so someone, you're taking them away from a wide receiver. They are so clearly in need of a wide receiver. Are they going to, are they not going to take one? I mean, you're talking about our old guy Terrell is, is, their number one. So you're talking about, are they going to lose someone like Devonta Smith or Waddle just so they can move down to 13? They they might be able to get one of those guys at 13, you know. The Eagles, the Eagles are going to get one of them. The Giants might... The, the, but they, the Cowboys aren't holiday, picking so. one. Yeah, I mean, I, I would. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's if I was, If I was Detroit, that's the card I'd play. I'd be calling... I'd be calling us or the Vikings also needs mm. um, a tackle. And I'd is that, say... Is that then going to spur Tom Tesco in? Because he thinks, well, Minnesota are going to be giving the Lions a call if this is happening. So he's got to get on the phone to them as well. Because like there'll say... Be, if I, I personally think if Saul's there at seven, there'll be a few teams ringing up. So it's going to come down to whether Telesco would want to pull the trigger. I, I'd be happy for him to do it if they give away 
a third, a fourth next year, say, and a sixth. That's I mean, that's we've got we've got two threes and two sixes anyway, so exactly. we're not so, really losing a great deal anyway. You're, you're just losing the depth pieces that you can kind of, and we're good at the at finding guys that are un, uh, that aren't undrafted. Mm. So we've got a good record of that that have been finding some under the radar guys just through bringing them in after the draft. So I would definitely be talk. I would definitely be picking up the phone now if I was as if I was Telesco and ringing up Detroit, because Detroit for me are the team, them or the Bengals are the team, are the two teams that I can see moving out of that position for someone going up to get a quarterback more so than anything else. Um, and then that obviously just pushes everyone down. So it just takes off another player from us. So like I can see Detroit or the Bengals moving down to still get in the range of the player or the position they want. Cause both of them teams could be, could do with wide receivers, both of them, teams could do with offensive tackles so mm. they there is there is positions there for, for them to move down it's just who 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 can move up and give them enough to be able to take one of them positions and now with Carolina out of the picture it kind of just leaves Denver New England and then you're down to the 20s and I don't think they're going to want to drop that far down maybe maybe Washington as well I'd add into that yeah so that's a long way to drop though isn't it to 19 it's a long way to drop whereas we're at 13 we're still not out of the range where they might just say, I know Washington are giving us an extra second or a first next year, but why, why take a first when we might be picking in the twenties with that first, where we can still pick at 13 now and get a second next year. Yeah. So there's, there's, although it, people go, Oh, they're going to offer a first. If you're dropping down to sort of 25, what, like there's no, there's not real, a first really, is it? not, it's really, not really a pure first. So like, if I was if I was Detroit, I'd want to be able to plot how this draft will pan out. And if I was going to move down, the furthest I'd move down is fifteen. Yeah, I'd go along with that. But the way that this board's fallen, obviously, we've still got Mac Jones on there. We've still got Trey Lance available. New England are probably thinking, "Well, I'm going to sit pretty because Detroit don't need a quarterback. Carolina now don't need a quarterback. The Denver Broncos maybe. Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, Chargers." Vikings, absolutely fine. So if you're content with one of Matt Jones and Trey Lance and you don't have to spend anything, then sit in 15 and you know you'll get one of them. Yeah. Same same sort of thinking as you know if the Lions want to go back for wide receiver, it's only really the Eagles actually because you're right. You know the Giants aren't going to take one. They've got Galladay, and I think they signed another wide receiver, didn't they as well? I can't remember. Yeah, they've, but... got, they've got a couple. So like it's not so, it's not. Yeah, they, they, you know what Gettleman's like? He he loves trenches. He loves D line yeah. O line. So. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's an edge rusher, to be honest. That that could be a him, someone like an edge rusher or Parsons could be the pick there. So. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the Giants in a moment. But so we were going to lock in a wide receiver then for the Lions because we're not going to bother doing trades or anything like that. But yeah, like you say, the Chargers definitely would be wanting to have a conversation, especially because that that connection with Justin and and Penny Soul just like it's match made in heaven almost, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Do you reckon then? So it's Waddle and Smith, isn't it? I would I would go for the artist, which would be Devonta Smith. I just think really? his, okay. route, his route running is just it's just pure. It can't it's he's just one of them ones that's kind of got everything you want. He does he doesn't I look agree. like doesn't really look like a prototypical wide receiver, but he just gets open. He's just such a good route runner. Is and Goff Goff needs timing route runners he liked it with woods he liked it with cup he, he played his best ball with them guys that run solid routes that are always there where they say they're going to be it just kind of makes sense if you're talking about who 
they're going to take with you. For me, it would be Devonta Smith. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people bother about his weight. I'm not, I'm not really concerned. He's, like you say, you can't touch what they can't see, really, can they? Like you say, he's in so much separation all the time. Then, you know, he's going to have the ball and he's going to be shooting down the field. So as long as he learns to protect himself, maybe packs on a little bit of muscle, I think he'll be absolutely fine in the NFL. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to lock in Devonta Smith there. And then, obviously, you know, we're in the Panthers. This is a home run for the Panthers, isn't it? They've got their quarterback. They've got Soul on the board. This is this is doesn't need much discussion, I don't think. No, it's locked in. So if Saul's there at eight, and now they've got Darnold, it's Saul's the pick. Yeah, so we're they're the kind of now they've made that move for Darnold, which is unfortunate for us, where we're kind of now is you're gonna have to move up to seven to be able to get him. Um, whereas before you could have that possibility of having to move to maybe ten or nine to get Slater or or Saul, but I personally think that Slater and Saul will both be gone by eight now. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a pretty decent possibility of that. But do you know what? I mean, take us back a few months when we were kind of talking about this sort of thing and we did all the mock drafts and stuff like that. I think if there's one of, what did I say, Slater, Darasaw, or Vera Tucker there, I'm happy. You know, I'm not yeah. expecting Penny Saul to be there. Yeah. If he is, or if we're in you know, a position where we can trade up to seven game, then fantastic. But yeah. at this point, we're pretty much nailed on for both of those guys maybe that are remaining still to be there at 13. So, you know, I'm happy. And the Vikings, if they're content with those two, are probably going to sit behind us and take the other one. Yeah. So again, everyone's going to be kind of happy. Patriots are going to be happy taking a quarterback. It's kind of all going to settle down at this stage, I think, if this board falls like this. The other yeah. kind of angle that could be the way that it could fall is if we had a run on quarterbacks and other good players come exactly you know, rushing towards the charge at 13. Yeah. Maybe you're thinking about a trade back in that scenario if there's a bit of a rush for quarterbacks and we can still get a good player at... I don't know, wherever we trade back to, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So if you're saying the Bengals trade out and someone ju- jumps up, say if the Bengals and the Patriots trade, so you're talking now the Bengals who were taking a tackle before now aren't there, they're behind us. So now you're talking New England move up, they take, say, quarterback, they like Trey Lance, they want to sit in behind Cam to learn from Cam, and that's the offense they want to play. Then you're talking now tackle, so. Now, Panthers, instead of just having Saul on the board, they've got Saul or Slater. So now all of a sudden, they take one, and now all of a sudden you can go from 13 to nine to get Slater if you want. So there's still that potential that if someone wants to jump up to eight, seven, six, to get that QB ahead of someone else that's also in the debate, say like Denver, Mm. then you're looking at them this tackle class, Saul or Slater, just sliding a little bit more in range where I still think they're gone by 13 if you sat there. But I think that if you want to move up two or three and give away a third or whatever, there is that potential to be able to do that. Yeah, and it gets a lot cheaper, obviously, to then to do that, to jump up a couple of spots rather than, like, jump half the queue kind of thing to seven. So but it works out better for the Chargers. I think we're in a really advantageous position, actually, with the way this is going to unfold or the way we expect it to. Let's move on then into our divisional rival, the Broncos, at nine. This is an interesting board for them. I think there's a couple of ways that they could go. I mean... There's a couple of quarterbacks on there. We know that John Elway likes a swing and a miss at quarterback. There's two sat there. Yeah. But there's also a really interesting player that I think fits their defense really well, and that's Micah Parsons. I think mm-hmm. he's a Fangio linebacker all day long. And you know what? If I was the Broncos, and this is just kind of my way of thinking, is if Drew Locke shits the bed next year, then they're going to be in a position to say quarterback <clears> next year. So why, you know, why do that now when you're going to? Yeah. You know, you, you're not going to play Mac Jones or Trey Lance this year anyway. You're going to give Locke a chance. Mm-hmm. So for me, for, for my money, I think this is Parsons as the pick here. I'd I'd say it's quarterback or Parsons. Yeah, one hundred percent. I've actually got 
before, obviously, I did my mock just before the Darnold news went down. So I had the Broncos taking the last quarterback. So I had them taking Mac Jones. But with the board being as it is, and you've made a really good argument that why do they need to? Because if Drew Locke's anything like he was last year, they're going to be picking this high again and they can take another load of quarterbacks. So do they really need to take Matt Jones or Trey Lance? Only if they're absolutely balled over by one that they will. So they're off. They've got a pretty, they've got a pretty good team like Denver. It's just that Drew Locke's so inconsistent. They're always mm. going to be that inconsistent. So it's the, are, are they going to waste sort of, Carl Fuller's and Yvonne Miller's and your Bradley Chubb's talent while Drew Locke's still on there. So it's like, do are we going to still have these guys around in two seasons' time when we've got quite a talented team when we could just add Mac Jones in or more Mac Jones for me than Trey Lance because Trey Lance is more of a development guy. But sure. Mac Jones can just come in and just get because they've got really good wide receivers. Like he's yeah, played, they do. With, he's they played do. with Judy before. He knows Judy. Um, and that is a possibility that it could be Mac Jones. But like you said, Mick Parsons makes such a ton of sense on, as a linebacker. He's such in the mould that they like. Um, and he just makes a ton of sense. Yeah, like you said, at, at nine. Are we going to lock in Parsons then in that case? Lock in Parsons, yeah. Okay. I think, that, I think like you said, you, you made a strong argument that why would they need to take a quarterback if, if they... With, with Locke there anyway, you might as well give Locke the chance this last season and then just address it next year. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is as well, for this exercise that we're doing, we're going to kind of see who's on the board for the Chargers. We're not going to pick Parsons and we're not going to pick a quarterback. So again, it's kind of not taken out of the pool of players that we're going to sort mm. of have to pick. So um, yeah, I, I think that it, it just fits so nicely for Fangio. Yeah. I think it's just the sort of player that he'd want. I don't think yeah. Tesco would even draft Parsons anyway because of these like potential field issues. Uh-huh. He's too much of a good guy. But, um, yeah, here we are anyway. We're here with the, the, the Dallas Cowboys. And, again, kind of a like a great board for Dallas because cornerback is there, like, crying need and none of the cornerbacks are gone. Yeah, I mean, the cornerback is probably their biggest need. And, like you said, they got the pick of the litter. So, for me, I think that they go they go with Patrick Sertain. I just think the Alabama pool will be enough. I think the legacy of what he is and where he comes from I just think that they'll look towards that over JC Horn. I mean, you, me, a few others have got JC Horn as a cornerback one. Yeah. But that's we're probably in the 30% minority, I would say, that have <laughs> that. So Patrick Sertain is just, you kind of know what you've got with Sertain and not taking anything away from him because he's still an absolute stud of a corner. Um, and I just think that, the Cowboys will just love that pick. It's one of them ones where you can see Jerry Jones pounding the table for an Alabama corner sort of thing. So yeah. I just think it makes just a ton of sense again for Patrick Sertain to go at 10. Yeah, completely agree. I don't think, it's not the pick that I would make for sure if I was Dallas, but I, I'm not Dallas and I'm not Jerry Jones. And like you say, it's this name brand kind of thing, isn't it? That, name guy. He that, to... that Jerry Jones just loves. Mm. So, yeah, we're, we're going to lock that in there for the Cowboys. And, you know, a home run pick for them, really, in terms of just not needing to move, having, like you say, the pick of the litter. And, um, you know, I think Halo Farley slips a little bit, obviously, with this micro, micro disc surgery that he's had, but could be a nice pick up someone back end of the first. Um, kind of looking at the Jets, maybe yeah, someone else at the back end of the first in the 20s. I think he'll be a great pick up for someone. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, like I said, moving on to the Giants then at 11. Again, I mean, the Giants are a bit of a funny one, aren't they? I mean, 
hard to kind of pinpoint wide receivers slip down from their needs because, like you say, with the sign of Kelly, Kenny Golladay, Edge is showing like trench guys, as you mentioned, Gettleman absolutely loves. Are they looking at like having their pick of the edge guys now, pretty similar to the Dallas conundrum that we were just kind of talking about? Yeah, I mean, Gettleman, he's, he's a strange one, isn't he? So you're talking about some edge for me, really, still is, is too high for edge. I mean, at the moment, there's huge talk that Jalen Phillips is now coming up to edge one, which you can yeah. s- you can see just with his workout why people like him that much. There's still, for me, there's Pay, um, Phillips, Russo, um, and Ojolari that will probably be the, the top four guys that go at edge. Um, which way round? I think it could be, it could literally just be any anyone in any order because it's such a mixed bag mm. of kind of what you prefer. So if you like your speed or you like your bend or you like your athletic guy or you like your upside or however you want to use, will offer different things for different teams. So for New York, I mean they they like a bigger guy. So I, I think say, Giants draft good. Giants, right? So yeah, sorry, Giants. They 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 like. Bigger guys, so you're talking a uh, Lajari is going to be probably not really what they're after. So you're talking Russo or Phillips or Pay, and then just through the workout and how he is, I think that that Phillips will probably be the one. Um, but I, I mean, I've got them taking. It's been a strange year, and I've got them taking Micah Parsons linebacker, so which would make it even a stranger year. The Giants going <laughs> linebacker in the first round, but I mean, I Gettleman think- has taken linebackers early in Carolina. You know, he took Shaq Thompson and. Uh, well, I, I think, think that that's his well. floor. I think the Parsons, that's his floor is 11. I think that they'll go. I think that it would be Parsons go at either Denver, Carolina, Denver, Dallas, New York. I think that they're the kind that of bunch. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that one. Um, but in this scenario, I think that it's either Phillips, Russo, if you still want that guy with, because obviously it's still a draw. At one point, he was like, he was locked on as edge one, top five pick. He opted out. Everyone caught up with him. Mm. It's kind of been a strange scenario for Russo, really. It kind of very similar to Andrew Thomas in some respects, where everyone was like, Andrew Thomas is the clear one at the beginning of the year. Then everyone overtakes him in this draft process with Wills and, and Wells. He still goes the first one. <laughs> they still took Thomas. They still took him. They still took Thomas as the first guy. So where everyone's talking about Russo's definitely not going to be the first guy taken, it would not surprise me one bit that Russo is the first edge guy taken. Should we should we lock in Russo then to kind of repeat that history again? Yeah. It's kind of not going to take it's not going to take away this this kind of tool yeah. what the Chargers are looking for. Yeah. In terms of the edge, uh, obviously we're not going to go into the second half of the draft, but Jason Owe from Penn State, his workout, I think he's going to just shove him right up the boards. Not a sort of Giants player that they'll be looking at because, like you say, he's not big enough and. Maybe for other factors as well, that means that the Giants aren't going to look at him. But I feel like he's put himself right in the right in the, the sort of right in the crosshairs. Sorry for the first yeah. round, back end of the first round. Yeah, you know you've got teams right there like um, the Lions. Not sorry, not Lions. Sorry, the Ravens mm-hmm. and maybe even the Steelers. Someone like that. The Browns. They could all take him in that sort of mid twenties range. Yeah, and I feel like he's been he's been put right up there for uh, for the edge class. And like I say, it's not it's not clear at all. You know, we've just talked about four guys being like the edge one and. Um, you know, I feel like he's going to be a bit of a surprise to some people. You know, people point to the zero sacks kind of thing last season. But, you know, he's got some tools. I'm not massively high on him myself, but I do feel like because of his workout and because of the the age, I mean, he's only a redshirt sophomore. Mm-hmm. Because of that factor, I think he's going to be back into the first round sort of player. And, uh, yeah, you're going to be able to get a good edge player second, early second round. There's going to be people like the Jaguars, maybe even the Jets, if they don't take one with their second first round pick, yeah. who are going to be up at the second, you know, the early reach of the second round 
and they're going to be looking at some really good edge players, maybe even Rousseau. Yeah, agreed. So then uh, Eagles, again, kind of nailed on for receiver here, and Jalen Waddle's kind of still here. Again, don't need to talk about it too much, I'd guess. Not really. I think that it's just the crying need, the crying player. I think the, maybe the thing for maybe the thing for the Eagles is that he kind of he's obviously clearly better than Jalen Rager, but he's kind of the same player-ish. He's kind of like you if you watch Rager's tape, he kind of does very similar things as Waddle, and he was obviously come out of uh, Rager came out of college as this sort of like speedy guy and get him in space and do all that sort of stuff with him. And Waddle, can't, obviously, he's more polished route runner and he's really quick, like seriously. Mm, quick. Yeah. But he kind of reminds me of the same player, like we've mentioned before, about wide receivers and having a basketball team with wide receivers. So you've got your tall guy you've, that you can the contested catches. You've got your nice route runner. You've got your after catch guy. You've got your speedster, your vertical. So you've got kind of a mixed bag. And I kind mm. of think that Rager, Hightower, Waddle. What are you going for here? Like it's tall kind of speed, like, isn't it? Got like a load of players that all play point guard. Like it's kind of weird. So like I don't quite know if that kind of fits. Personally, Devonta Smith would be the, would be a really good player there because they don't have that polished route runner at all through their whole team. So they would really they would be absolutely desperate for him to be there at twelve. Why they've moved down, who knows? Like it was obviously that first round draw where they want to try and maybe I wouldn't even be surprised if they move down again and then take someone like Bateman. Like that could yeah. be the way that they do it. Um, where they just move down and move down and sort kind of just kind of have a mini rebuild now. Now Wentz is gone, you got Hertz in. Let's get because they need probably two wide receivers. Maybe they trade Hertz on the day, get another second. I can see the Eagles being very, very much in play for a one of them, one of them drafts that Minnesota did that time when they were high up, and then they moved down, moved down again, collected three first rounds, hmm. to Patterson and and um, uh, Sheriff Floyd, and they moved around and done a lot of stuff. I could see that happening with the Eagles this year. Yeah, it's a good point actually because obviously they got the three firsts now. Uh, they're in rebuild. They've got you know we've talked about their cap situation previously. It's a, there's a lot going on there, and you know, is Jalen Hurts the one? Probably not. You know, we're thinking maybe. Is someone like Deshaun Watson going to be available next year? You know, and if you've got three firsts and then a whole bunch of second day picks, you know, you in the Deshaun sweepstakes next year, you know, you've got to maybe take a long-term view. If Hurts balls out, which I hope he does, I really like him, then great. You know, like you say, Bateman's going to be there if they move back again into the 20s or something like that, or, you know, other receivers that you're going to be able to get down the line. It's not the be-all and end-all to get Jalen Waddle, and like you say, he's pretty similar to all their other, other receivers. Mm-hmm. But if they are sticking, I don't see them taking a Bateman over him at 12, for sure. No, for sure. I think the only other player would be JC Horn for me, if they're looking away up from corner and to the best player on the board, and that would be one of, would be JC Horn as a position of need as well, corner. that You can't have enough corners in this day and age. So that yeah. would be, if they didn't go wide receiver, that would be the only other player I'd say they'd look at. But for me... I, I can see, I really can see them moving down again. It's from 12 and, and trying to do a, it's kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. No, I think it's a really good point. Actually, it's something to watch out for on draft day for sure, but we'll lock in uh, Jalen model at 12 for the Eagles. And it leaves us in you know, the position that we thought we'd be in really, you know, we're not really having our feathers ruffled too much. You know, we've got Darius, we've got Vera Tucker, 
Slate is gone. Sewell's gone. You've also got JC Horn as well, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of throw it in there and maybe like make that conversation kind of interesting because, you know, corner is like the big need, you know, and then you're thinking, who are we going to be able to get at 47? That conversation will definitely be going on. There's also Jalen Phillips there. Like you say, if he's really, really impressing someone, then, you know, Edge, I know, it's, I know it's not like a massive need, but if you do think that this guy, you know, former number one high school recruit, is then going to be the same in the NFL. I mean, I know maybe if he didn't have four concussions in his life and semi-retired, then you'd be thinking about it more. But, you know, it's one to consider at least. But I'd still stick left tackle here, even with Horn on the board. I've, my recent mock, I've literally, literally just switched. So my pick now for the Chargers is JC Horn. And I think I'm going to be sticking with it for a little while. So I've got, I think Elijah Vera Tuckle, Derrishaw, obviously are positions that you think, yeah, they're, that's the need that we've been talking about, that that's the need. We've been talking about that left tackle is the clear hole on that offensive line. So Darisaw, the argument of Darisaw as the pure left tackle or Elijah Vera Tucker as that guy that you can, with the versatility that Telesco likes, you can move him to left tackle, left guard, right tackle, whatever you want to do with Elijah Vera Tucker. I think that versatility wise for me that would be the pick but I think with how this board is panning out and who I think could be there I think that there is potential there to get a half decent tackle in the second round and take someone that has just impressed me every step of the way which is JC Horn like the whole pro day everything about this guy just just oozes sort of cornerback eliteness. And I just mm. think that it, if he's not on the board, I don't think I would take a corner. I think that, but it's just obviously he's my cornerback one, your cornerback one, a few others. I think that he's got that kind of, he's been working out with Derwin James this off season, got some sort of connections going with some, some of the same uh, agent, haven't they? Yeah. Same agent, things like that. So there is huge potential that JC Horn could be the pick. So for me, it's either Horn or Elijah Vera Tucker would be my pick. Darasaur is an interesting one. It's kind of that one there. Some people like, some people really like him. Some people prefer Jenkins over him. Some people think that he's a really good run blocker, not as good in pass pro. There's 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 little concerns with me with Darasaur, whereas Elijah Vera Tucker, I just think I know what I've got in him. I think he kind of reminds me of Zach Martin a little bit. So I personally would, on my mock now, I've got him taking JC Horn. I just think that that, for what Staley could do, how that absolutely changes the complete aspects of that D, having that lockdown corner, that Jalen Ramsey of that Staley D, completely changes that D for me. And in, in one there, there's a few holes to now, there's not really any on that secondary other than that deep safety. So I just think that it, it kind of, really, really gets me excited to see what this D would look like with JC Horn in it. Whereas Elijah Vera Tucker would be kind of like that. Yeah, I'm happy with that. That's a good, but JC Horn would be like, oh yeah, here we go. Like, <laughs> it's one of them ones where it kind of makes me on the edge of my seat a little bit. So I've literally only just recently changed changed my mark. So it's now JC Horn, but I I would not be afraid to taking Darisaw or Elijah Vera Tucker there also at 13. Yeah, I mean, I think what you said a minute ago about going about in pairs is one or the other. You know, I mentioned Phillips probably wasn't, you know, a massive 
sort of chances, that sort of thing. I don't think they'll go down. I don't think many fans will kind of be convinced by that either. But like I said, I would still go Darasol. And I'd go Darasol over uh, Elijah Vera Tucker now because they've sorted out that interior. Yeah. Because the fallback with Vera Tucker is if he doesn't cut it at tackle, you're going to have an elite guard. Well, hopefully we're going to have good guards anyway. So yeah. you're going to kind of have an odd one out situation. And if Abushi plays well and if Filer plays well, then you've got like this guy that you kind of think, well, he's not quite good enough to be a tackle, but he's going to be a great guard. So what am I going to do with him? Because if you're going to reward one or the other, you know, you're going to reward Abushi or you're going to, you know, keep him around or you're going to have Vera Tucker. I don't think he can play in centre. I don't think any of them can play the centre position. So what have you got? I'd go for the pure tackle now that the interior is sorted out. You know, I'd be watching Elijah Tucker's career very closely, though, because I think he's going to be brilliant. Uh, and I would take Darasol and have him as your left tackle. And I do think if you're kind of treating it as a pair, and I'll ask you this in a minute, considering that you just say you'll take JC Horn, the, ta- the, sorry, the, the corner that I'm thinking that I'll take is maybe a Santi Samuel, mm-hmm. who the Chargers have met a couple of times. I think he'll just about be there at 47. And you're thinking, if you come away with Darasol and Samuel, I'm going to be really, really happy. Who would the tackle be that you're going to kind of think, well, I've got to get one at now at 47? Who are you kind of looking at the, who will who'll be there and you think, I'm pretty safe with, I think, I want that guy? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much in the aspect that I think Eisenberg with Dunes will still be there on the board at 47. So there is potential, obviously, he had Radunes and Eisenberg both went to senior bowl, good senior bowls, etc. There's a few guys that have moved up, a few that moved down. Hudson's moved down a bit after the pro day numbers. Spencer Brown's numbers are just insane. Yeah. So there's talk that he's going to be shot straight out the board. Christensen's looks like he's rose. So there is players that have rose up. I'm not a massive Jalen Mayfield fan. I think no. he's more of a guard. So again, you take him out. Leatherwood again. I'm not sure that he offers the athleticism that we're he's a guard as well. Um, so for me, the player would be Dylan Radunes. That's the guy I love, the guy that I think that could be there in the, in the 40 range. So if you ask me, would I have Darasaw or Santi Samuel or Horn and Radunes, I'd have Horn and Radunes. That's just me. It's one of them ones where it's a very fine balance where you think that is the potential at 40 going to be there at corner, who you want, or is the potential going to be there that the tackles are there who you want. And I can understand completely why you would take tackle first because we said it earlier, every single team in this draft process needs a tackle or mm-hmm. a guard or a centre. They need someone on that offensive line. Not everybody needs these corners at the moment. So are you going to be able to get a Kelvin Joseph? Are you going to be able to get Stokes? Are you going to be able to get one of them guys there in the second round? More than likely, yes, over someone like Eisenberg or Radunes that could easily get pushed up because the Chiefs need someone, mm. Brady needs protection, like the Steelers haven't got anybody at the moment, the Jets could do with one, the Titans missed on one last year, Catanzo's just gone, um, literally you could go on the list is 30 teams long to be honest, let's face it, that could do with taking a tackle, so will Radunes even be there? Maybe not, and that's what you've got to weigh up is the risk of if we don't take Darasaur or Elijah Vera Tucker now, are we going to be picking between Walker Little, who ain't played in two years, as that player at 40? And then you start to get worried. So 
that's the that's the thing that they've got to weigh up if you're in that draft room as a charger. You've got to weigh up is the need at tackle is so big that we need to take one here, regardless of the talent that's on there. Because personally, I think JC Horn is the better, the best prospect on the board. He's the best player on the board. For sure. The needs, the needs where you think the tackle is going to be there at 40, I'm not sure if he is. And can you still get someone at corner? Obviously, he's not in the same league as Horn, but you can get a very reliable corner. And let's look at Staley's. Obviously, he had Ramsey. But if you look at the rest of the guys that Staley had at corner that was doing it, Troy Hill and Williams. Not like, really anyone, are they? they got guys <laughs> off the street. So can Staley do that with a corner later down the line and lock in somebody as a stout, as a protection for Herbert? That's probably the sensible route to go. Let's face it, that's probably the sensible route to go to take the tackle and not take the corner. But if you're looking at best player on the boards, for me, it's JC Horn. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the way you some, the way you kind of explained it earlier on about being a bit more excited about taking JC Horn, I think I'd agree. And if I can kind of, if you guarantee, which obviously you can't, that 47, you could get like Redunds or you could get Spencer Brown, I would take it. You know, I would, but I just don't know if you can. And I think protecting Justin is more important than giving Brandon Staley in Brandon Staley in year one a lockdown you know Jalen Ramsey's kind of player because I don't want Justin to be broken <laughs> in any way shape or form yeah. so yeah if you can guarantee because I you know the more I've kind of read and watched a little bit about Spencer Brown obviously Northern Iowa tape isn't the most um you know easy to come across the more I watch him the more I read about him I'm you know seeing his athletic numbers are incredible you don't get guys who are properly six or eight and can move like that mm. you know if i'd take him at 47 if you're taking jc hall but i just don't know if you can guarantee it because if i'm thinking that about spencer brown then there's a heck of a lot of people that are thinking that as well mm-hmm. you know and, and redunds as well but like you say you're looking at these kind of tier two tackles after you know took us later soul and darasol and you're thinking these guys are going to be gone in the end of the first round because like you said there's so many good teams that need you know just a tackle to fill out the rest of the offensive line and they're kind of set and they don't want Tom Brady to be hurt. They don't want Patrick Mahomes to be hurt either, as much yeah. as we don't want Justin Herbert to be hurt either. So, you know, Eichenberg's another one. I mean, Notre Dame connection, senior ball connection, senior, you know, sort of thing. Ticks the Tom Telesco box every single time. I'd take him. Yeah, I'd take him. You know, but again, is he going to kind of be there? Because this rush is going to happen at the yeah. end of the first round because the, all these tackles are kind of in... Um, you know, in vogue so much, and um, Samuel Cosme as well, another, another guy who had a great day athletically. Um, a few holes in his game, you know, he's a bit thin as well, he's under 300 pounds at a tackle, uh, plays too tall as well. But anyway, kind of um, before I get into a scouting report of, of Samuel Cosme, but you know, these guys are going to be gone, and I just think just play it safe, get Dara sort. And I think Tom Tesco's like that, isn't he? He's not going to leave things to chance yeah. if they think that they can get Santi Samuel, which you'd think they must do because they wouldn't waste the time meeting him a couple of times. Yeah. And I think that's just the way they'll go. But, yeah. you know, it's a really interesting conversation. I think the way that we, you know, you mentioned looking at it in pairs is really, really interesting. Yeah. I'll, at this point, I'd say that with Telesco knowing what he's like, knowing how he operates, that he'll look at exactly what we've said and look at how many teams need to take a tackle. And it's not just the end of the first, it's the beginning of the second. Because if, if, if the Bengals pass on one or the Dolphins pass on one, they can easily take one at the beginning of the second round and they're picking ahead of us anyway. So yeah, you, you've got to worry. And I said it before when I was talking to the Guilty's Charge lads is that you've got to worry mm-hmm. that 
if you don't take a tackle, will tackles even be there by the time you pick at 47? So there, it's just a long list of good, good tackles in this class and good players get picked early. So you are, you do worry that there's not going to be, there's not going to be a guy that you can lock in as that left. Cause I don't want Trey Pipkins to be starting the season. No. And, and going back to what you said a minute ago, I don't want walk a little start in there either. No. So you're talking about, you need to take someone that can fill that position straight away and you're just happy with it. And like you said, Darisol does make a ton of sense there at 13. Mm. Just like, I mean, we're going to talk about the later rounds in the next couple of pods before the draft, but just looking at the end of the first and then back to 47, Minnesota, 100% taking a tackle, almost nailed on. You know, they're going to take the guy that we don't take if we do take one at 13. Mm-hmm. Washington could take one. The, yep. my, the Dolphins could take one, but you know they'll take one in either 18 or their first pick in the second round. Indianapolis, like you say, Costanzo's gone, 100%. Probably going to be looking at that. Pittsburgh, so that's what, how many is that four already? Yep. You're getting well into that, you know, like I say, the, the second tier. Green yep. Bay, do they need one? No, they got I've got, they yeah, got I've got, tackle, got I'll quickly, I'll quickly. Go, yeah, go on, you go ahead. I'll quickly um, ruin my mock for everybody, but I've got, <laughs> I've got Minnesota, I've got a weird trade, I've got a weird trade in, in the, in it where Minnesota do get a left tackle, but it's not through the draft. So they take, I've got them got, doing a deal with Baltimore to move up. Mm-hmm. So they're going to, Minnesota are in the Orlando Brown conversation for me. Sure. So, yeah. And they'll be, be after a tackle. New England could easily, easily like someone like, a, like Elijah Vera Tucker. He just screams Patriots to me. Funny goes out the door. Elijah Vera Tucker comes in. Nothing changes. Away we go. New England It's kind of one of them picks that I could, you could easily see them doing it. Arizona need a tackle. Like Las Vegas just cleared out loads of players. Yeah. yeah. Tackle. Miami, we've talked about they could take a tackle. Washington, Chicago, wouldn't surprise me. Probably not, but wouldn't surprise me. Indianapolis, 100% could. Tennessee, definitely could. The Jets could need a right tackle and definitely interior presence. Pittsburgh have lost two guys. So it gets to 20, from us to 24, literally every team in that list could easily take a, a tackle or an yeah. interior guy. They all will, but yeah, definitely could. So, and then Jack's. Jacksonville, they've got a few picks. They could explore that route. And then you're talking, like you said, teams like Green Bay. Personally, I've got them taking Samuel Cosme at the end of the round because I think that they wasted the picks last year and keeping Rodgers on the field. You, you knew because of they didn't have David Batari in that um, championship game that they missed him. Yeah. And have they needed that depth. They'll go wide receiver. I'll, I'll be shocked if they don't go wide receiver or offensive tackle, personally. I think that... Um, I can't remember who their right tackle is, but he doesn't cut the mustard personally. So I think that you have you could get Cosme and put him straight on the right side and and just go and hopefully that they can they can kick on as two bookends. And then Kansas City is like the biggest Kansas City and Tampa, yeah, for sure. I wouldn't even be surprised if Kansas City move up for the tackle. That's how much they need they need the guy like they yeah. need, they need the special guy to play left tackle. So it wouldn't surprise me if they moved up for someone like a Tevin Jenkins or a Sam Cosme, or even a Darasaur, if he falls to like 15, 16, 17 range, there's always that potential. If the Chiefs just say, that's who we want, that's our guy. And they're only ever one piece away, aren't they? So, and then yeah. the second round, there's, there's freaking hundreds of teams, man, as well, that are picking ahead of us. Like, 
it's scary that tackle that if you don't take one at 13 that you won't have much to pick from at 47 mm. yeah as much as it's a good class you know it's a good class in terms of the depth you know you might want to get a swing tackle in the third or something like that but you don't want to try and find your left tackle starter for yeah. the next you know however many years at 47 when you've not got too much to pick from you know but like i say if you guarantee Spencer Brown being there, I would I would take that with JC Horn, but that's kind of um, one for next time, I guess. We're going to think about the second round and beyond, and and kind of work our way towards the draft. But um, yeah, any kind of final thoughts? You're pretty happy with the way that board fell. Think like we've did a pretty decent job in terms of the realism. I thought as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think the only thing we can you can't equate for is trades at the moment. So obviously, sure. yeah, yeah, that idea of someone moving up for that fourth and fifth quarterback could also push everyone down so obviously at the moment we're talking about Darasaur or Elijah Vera Tucker as the picks but there could quite easily be that we've got a choice of Satane or Horn or we've got even someone like Slater that's even slid that's safe I mean I personally think that they won't be there like I'm I'm 90% sure Slater or Saul won't be there but you've got that potential that if Two two teams come up and got, take quarterbacks, and that slides that you're in range to take Saul and Slater. And I think that Telesco's not silly. I think that he knows that they're the two best tackles in this team in this class. Mm. And if you can move up to sort of eight, seven, eight, ten, eleven, he he will. I personally think that he's got far more aggressive these last couple of years in yeah. to get the players he wants. You sort of Kenneth Murray. You saw, you've seen it. So I think that he will pull the trigger if he thinks he can get Slater or Saul and he will move up, not loads, but one or two spots to do it. I think that that is a potential that you could look at come draft day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we mentioned it in the past, haven't we, that Tom Tusco's job's on the line now. Yep. You know, he, he doesn't have too many more swings of the bat, I don't think, as a GM in terms of drafting, and he certainly doesn't have another head coach hire. So he has to give Brandon Steady what he wants and hopefully, you know, Steady works out and you know, they can kind of work their magic together. But like I say, we'll, we'll kind of move forward for that next time. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking more about the second round, maybe the second day in our next podcast and move towards the draft. But yeah, for this one, uh, yeah, we're pretty sure that we're going to be taking either a corner or a tackle. So we probably didn't learn anything there, but hopefully you've listened to this and uh, yeah, taken a few of our takes on board and uh, yeah, you've enjoyed it. So yeah, thanks for listening and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.